Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from James uh, chapter 13, verse 13 through chapter 4. We're going to read verse 3 and then uh, 7 and half of 8. So, James 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But wisdom from above, it is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the, good, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Chapter 4. Uh, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme to kill and get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, So our scripture today comes from the lectionary. Uh, The lectionary is something we follow kind of loosely around here at Springbrook. Um, And the lectionary, it's a calendar of verses that the church all over the world follows. And so um, I love days that we are on lectionary because it makes me feel connected in a deeper way uh, to churches in our community and uh, all over the world. And so um, honestly, though, these verses today, I just, when I was writing for today, I just kind of wanted to read through them, like read them and then just read through them a second time and then just sit down and say, okay, (laughs) there we go. Um, Because there is so much richness here. Uh, this week, I legitimately feel like I have written 10 sermons about these 10 verses, and I still don't even feel like I've scratched the surface. Um, they are so good and so rich. And so if you are in your own time looking for a place to spend uh, some time in the scriptures right now, um, might I suggest James chapter 3, verse 13, uh, through chapter 4, 7, and 8. Um, maybe just park yourself there for a few days or weeks and see what happens uh, I think I've said this before, but I uh, 
decided one time I was going to read Romans 8 until I understood it. And I spent like months and months and months in Romans 8. Um, I'm not sure I ever understood it, but gosh, it was so rich just to like be in one little chunk uh, for so long. So uh, anyway, uh, today, instead of doing all of the 10 sermons I wrote, uh, I have narrowed it down to just two sermons. Um, so that'll be it today. Uh, don't get nervous. Uh, my notes are legitimately like two thirds the length that they normally are for the whole thing. So, um, anyway, here's the two things I want to talk about today on the verses that we read. Uh, the first is the humility of wisdom. And the second, uh, is a phrase I'm calling the perpetual grumble that I stole, uh, from someone else. So, okay, first off, humility of wisdom. Uh, it seems for James uh, that wisdom is not so much a behavior, like I uh, can kind of tend to think about it, um, but for James, wisdom seems to be a way of life, a way of living that creates a set of behaviors. And he goes through a list of what wisdom is, um, what it looks like when it's incorporated into our lives. Uh, but the verses as a whole seem to be about the lifestyle of wisdom, not the behavior of wisdom or the attribute of wisdom, but the lifestyle of wisdom, a long instilling and infusing of wisdom throughout a lifetime. Uh, Eugene Peterson says, I love this quote. Eugene Peterson, when he's talking about wisdom, he says, wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever conditions we find ourselves. The art of living skillfully in whatever conditions we find ourselves. Uh, the scripture today uh, starts out in verse 13 by talking about the humility that comes from wisdom, the humility of it. I, I think this is a massive, like a big, huge, massive thought. Uh, there are lots of great definitions for humility rumbling around in the world. You may have a very favorite one, um, but my favorite uh as in the one that confronts me the absolute most, uh, comes from a man named Hans Beyer. My friend Lindsay uh, took some seminary classes from him, and, um, and he defines humility uh, as allowing others. It is so simple and so intense, allowing others. Humility is allowing others, allowing others to shine, allowing others room, allowing others the success, uh, the talent and allowing the talent and dreams of others, the hopes of others, the sadness of others. Humility is allowing others. And if we take that into our scripture today, then the humility of wisdom makes room for the emotions and fear and despair of others. But in humility, it does not take it on. Does that make sense? Wisdom, the humility of wisdom, it, it makes room um, for the troubles and emotions, fears, despairs of other people without taking it on. We talked about differentiation a few months ago. This is uh, the humility of wisdom, too. The humility of wisdom makes room to skillfully live a life in the world as it actually is. James seems to say that the opposite of this humility of wisdom is jealousy, envy, and that checks out for me. Um, Frederick Buechner uh, calls envy the consuming desire to have everyone else be as unsuccessful as you are. Ugh. I don't, I don't want this to be as true about me as it is. The humility of wisdom works its way out in my life as allowing others. But the places in my life where I long for other people to fail how I fail or to be chained how I'm chained or places where I long for their unsuccess to appease my own unsuccess. This is not just basic envy or jealousy. It is evidence of a life outside of wisdom. 
and it bears disorder in the world. Uh, we were created for flourishing and for order, but it is our envy and jealousy, our desire for the unsuccess of others that uh, creates disorder. So if envy is the opposite of humility, and if it looks like places in my life where I silently or loudly celebrate or encourage the failure or disorder of others, uh, then what does the humility of wisdom look like? What's the opposite? Uh, Clement, the early church father, when he was writing about these verses from James, he says this. He says, James set mercy against the fierce and cruel nature of man and shows that heavenly wisdom brings forth good fruits for he that is heavenly wise, refers all things to God's glory and to the profit of his neighbors. Essentially, what he's saying is wisdom in our guts, wisdom as a lifestyle, it just brings about good things inside of us and outside of us, things that glorify God and work for the flourishing of our neighbors. We've spent the last few weeks talking about uh, being a good neighbor. That kind of makes this verse stand out in a huge way for me. So what does it look like? If that's what it is, what does it look like for us to live this way? Uh, James uh, helps us out a lot here. He literally gives us a comprehensive list of this. And it's a good list, a very intense list, but a good list. Uh, I think that this list alone would be worth spending some time this week or this month or this year even uh, on um, it would be worth a, a, a slow, intentional reading, looking at, um, it's verse 17 and 18, looking at verse 17 and 18 of, of James chapter 3, and then also looking at your own life and kind of weighing your life against this, these things, like uh, asking the question, am I skillfully living a life in my current conditions, uh, holding my life against these things? So let's read it again, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Uh, for James, wisdom, again, not a behavior, but a way of life, a way of living. The humility of wisdom, it, it, it leads to a life of freedom, a life lived for the sake of others, a life full of yielding and peace and sincerity and purity of a, a, a life lived, finding places to plant seeds of peace. I love that phrase. The humility of wisdom. This has been so eye-opening for me this week. Okay, second part, part two, point two, the perpetual grumble. Um, as I was studying for today, I happened upon something that N.T. Wright wrote about this text from James 3 and 4. And he says this. He says, it is both, e this is kind of long, so hang with me. Uh, it is both easy and understandable that you and I could make some very harsh criticisms of our world today, much in the manner of James's own day. The challenge of us then is to be able to tell the truth about the world the way it is and about the way wicked people are behaving without turning it into a perpetual grumble. And in particular, without becoming someone whose manifestation of wisdom consists of being able to find a cutting word to say about everyone and everything. There is still, after all, a vast amount of beauty, love, generosity, and sheer goodness in the world. Long quote, but... It hit me so 
hard this week. I, I, I've said a lot around here that I have been um, so influenced by the recovery movement. And um, if you know the serenity prayer, that God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Um, I love the prayer, and I think that first part is incredible, but the second part is so good, and I wish it got more screen time. Um, but in the second part, there's this, this part of the prayer that essentially says, I want to see the world as Jesus is, as it is, not just as I hope it would be. N.T. Wright is saying that within this text in James is a call uh, to learn to see the world how it truly is without succumbing to a perpetual grumble because it is not how we fully hoped that it would be. If envy is the antithesis of humility of wisdom, then I think we could also argue that a perpetual grumble is also the antithesis to a humility of wisdom. A grumbling, quote-unquote, wisdom where we find a cutting word to say about everyone and everything is not skillfully living our lives as they actually are. A perpetual grumble sees everything that is wrong, uh, whereas humility and wisdom sees the world honestly as it is while making room for the vast amount of beauty and love and generosity and sheer goodness in the world. This is super interesting to me. Um, uh, in the book of Proverbs, which Proverbs is known in the scriptures as the book of wisdom, uh, Solomon, the writer of Proverbs, he, he describes wisdom as the way of pleasantness. Isn't that interesting? The way of pleasantness. The original language of the word is gnome, which is a name for pleasant or amiable or gentle. There are connotations of happiness and comfort This is so interesting to me because um, I'm not like anti-wisdom. I think it's incredible, but I've never associated it with joy, with happy, with pleasantness. Wisdom uh, is not the path of perpetual grumble, but the path of pleasant, of comfort and reasonableness, of gentleness with ourselves and with other people. We who want to follow Jesus uh, should not only be able to see the beauty in the world, but also celebrate it and contribute it, contribute to it. This is wisdom. You and I are to be light bearers in a world of darkness. This is wisdom. Here's the deal. I think uh, to talk about this, we have to talk about the uh, vast inpouring of messages that happen to us every single day. Um, the media is powerful in our lives. It is powerful. Even uh, when we stop watching it or listening or reading or however you it is that you consume your news or your information, even when we stop the flow of information um, or, or try to stop our news consumption, it has so very much permeated our culture and permeated our sense of well-being and safety and joy and gratitude. Uh, honestly, I am not someone who blames everything on the news or everything on social media or the government or anything like that. Uh, But I do think if we want to see the world as it is, the truth is that our bodies and minds and souls are in uh, some weird mix of ingesting and osmosis. We are constantly being permeated with terrible things things that need our work and attention, things that are making us feel unsafe, things that are creating in us rhythms of a perpetual grumble. The big story of the kingdom of God, it gets replaced in us with a much louder story of the kingdom of the air, a kingdom that seems to be in jeopardy, a kingdom that seems to be in ruin, a kingdom that seems to be in rumble. And the problem is that these things whisper in a voice similar to the voice of wisdom in our lives. And so it becomes really tough to figure out which voice is which. And we find ourselves living in this cycle of perpetual 
grumble. Things are awful. Things are going bad. Things will go bad. The kind of hell in a handbasket uh, mentality. Anybody else? Am I, am I alone in this? Gosh, this has been in me in a way that has never been so true uh, than it has in the last probably year and a half of life. I, I have seen in me a state of perpetual grumble to a degree that I'm like annoyingly optimistic. And uh, it's there. It is so there. Here's the thing. Uh, wisdom means seeing this and learning to do something about it while living in the actual world. The job of wisdom, it is not to minimize or invalidate or ignore the hard parts of this world. That's not wisdom. That's toxic positivity. It is a term and it is hurting people. Our job instead, James tells us, is to plant the seeds of peace and reap the harvest of righteousness. Exactly where we are. Uh, we talked about empathy last week, um, and, and uh, we watched the Brene Brown video where she says empathy is very different from silver lining. Uh, I do not believe that the work of wisdom and hope is to silver line all of the bad. The work of wisdom is not toxic positivity. I think the work of wisdom and hope is to fight the perpetual grumble. That is different. That seems very different. Fighting a grumble requires seeing it and dealing with it, not minimizing it or ignoring it or silver lining it. The low hum of complaint and distrust and disgust that lives in us seeing this and fighting it, uh, fighting not to silver line the bad things into good, but to remember that the bad things are part of a bigger story that is good. Bad things uh, can happen and God can still be good. Trouble can come and the kingdom can still be living and moving and active. We can see horrible things on the news or are in, that are in our lives and they can be true and there can also still be beauty and generosity and goodness all over the world. That is the work of wisdom. Not learning necessarily to, to look away, although, side note, I do think there are plenty of us that can, should consider pushing pause on the news, uh, looking away from that particular thing for a moment, but the work of wisdom is not necessarily learning to look away. It's not closing our eyes to the pain of the world. The work of wisdom is learning to ask, where can I find hope here? Here. Where can I take two steps back here and find a story that I believe is the biggest and most true uh, in the world? Not how can I reject or deny or displace all of the stress or trauma of the world, but how can I both see and feel and experience the world as it is and seek out resurrection and redemption and rescue on God's terms? Wisdom allows room for emotion to accompany experience and wisdom fights hard against the perpetual grumble. Uh, I want to close up today with a story uh, that has been pretty meaningful in my life. Um, it's a it's a midrash, so that means it's it's like a Jewish parable that that uh, rabbis tell. It's not something in the scriptures, but something that kind of gets told in addition to it. And um, and so the rabbis they tell the story of two men. And as I was uh, researching the story this week to make sure I was telling it right, um, I found a couple of places where the men were named. I don't know. This could be bananas, um, but allegedly the two men in this uh, this. The this midrash, this parable, are named Shlomo and Buzz. So if you're looking for some baby names, 
might I suggest Shlomo? Um, but okay, so Shlomo and Buzz were Israelite slaves rescued out of Egypt in the Exodus. So God rescues his people out of Egypt to send them into the promised land. And um, during that rescue, God splits the Red Sea and Moses leads the Israelites across it. Uh, the sea becomes walls of water next to him. Uh, behind them, their enemies, the sea uh, uh, crashes into their enemies and they're rescued from the uh, Egyptian army. Um, it was this wild and miraculous rescue. But the story goes that Shlomo and Buzz, I can't say their names without laughing, Shlomo and Buzz miss the wild rescue and the walls of water because rather than looking forward, they were looking down at their feet and that their feet were covered in mud. And they're complaining. They're like, there's mud everywhere and it's so gross. Egypt had mud and we have mud here. What's the difference? Why are we even walking here? And they never look up to see that the ocean had parted so that they could walk through. And they never looked behind them to see their captors taken by the waves in a great rescue of God in their lives. The Israelites, they witnessed a great miracle, a parted sea, and a protected escape, a declaration of love and purpose from God for them. But Shlomo and Buzz missed the miracle because they were looking at their feet and grumbling about the mud between their toes. Uh, here's one more jewel from the story. Uh, uh, in story times, uh, slaves never looked up. They only looked down. And so there's this whole other level to interpret here. Shlomo and Buzz, they walked across the parted sea looking down, meaning they walked across the sea not as free, but as slaves. They missed the miracle of the escape. The sea split before them. They didn't see it because they didn't lift their eyes. They missed what God was doing because of the mud between their toes and because they believed they didn't believe that they were free. I think the rabbinical warning of the story is poignant for us as well. Wisdom finds a way to lift our eyes. It finds a way to lift our hearts, our hopes, in the middle of despair that rages around us so that we can spot the love and generosity and hope that actually exists all around us. Wisdom is an active fight against a perpetual grumble, lifting our eyes to see the work of God in the wildest places. So uh, we're going to take a few minutes here and uh, pause for a moment. Uh, we do say a lot every week at the Vineyard, and it is just a rhythm uh, to not move on too quickly. And so I just want to sit uh, in this moment, maybe um, give you a chance to focus on the words uh, from verse 17 in James, that wisdom comes from above and leads us to be pure, friendly, gentle, sensible, kind, helpful, genuine, sincere. Um, at the very end of our text today, uh, we read maybe some of the best words uh, that uh, when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And so uh, let's trust that that will happen in these next few minutes. Uh, let's pray together. So, Father, I thank you. Um, for this moment, a moment of quiet and a moment of peace and a moment of calm. And I pray that you would give us the courage to um, look inside ourselves and weigh ourselves and our lives against these verses in James. I pray that you will um, grow and bring out in us the humility of wisdom, the lifestyle of wisdom that we might learn to live skillfully our actual lives, no matter what our circumstances are. And then I pray also that you would um, kind of highlight in us the places in our 
lives that are living in a state of perpetual grumble, that are constantly um, disappointed, let down, scared, bothered, nervous, anxious uh, about things that are terrible. I pray that you would um, instill us with hope, that you would allow us to see this and um, to plant seeds of peace there and plant seeds of hope there. Not that we would ignore it or minimize it or toxically become positive toward it, but that we would see it, deal with it, and learn how to find hope there. In your name we pray.